Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Welcome to Nature Folk. This is Selena Fox, and Nature Folk is part of Circle Internet Radio. Every week, we bring to you information and ideas from Circle Sanctuary folk that tune into nature. We begin with Nature Folk this hour and will be followed by Circle Talk. On Nature Folk tonight, we continue our series, Wicca Journeys, an exploration of different facets of Wicca as a spiritual path. Tonight, we take a look at rituals. Rituals are an important part of Wicca practice. What types of rituals there are within the spiritual practice of a Wiccan practitioner will depend on a number of factors. One of those factors has to do with the particular path of Wicca that the person is practicing. Another factor depends on life experience and needs, the focus of ritual experience. And another factor has to do with personal style and inclination. Tonight we're going to take a look at some types of Wicca rituals, some components of Wicca rituals, as well as some other factors that come into play as individuals, small groups, and communities create and perform rituals. Let's start with the word ritual. I'm going to use it in a very universalist sense here in that It is sacred action with a focus. There are different types of rituals and styles of ritual. I make them go into three different categories. We have what I call the established ritual. And there are some Wicca traditions that have very specific rituals that are for particular times of year, particular occasions, such as a full moon ritual or a Sabbath ritual or a life passage ritual. And the rituals within a particular tradition for that occasion have been developed and set down, usually in writing. Sometimes those rituals 
are handwritten in a book of shadows. More recently, though, they may take the form of something digitally preserved and communicated, something that might be in a disk of shadows or a flash drive of shadows. Um, Others will preserve a ritual through audio form or video form. Set rituals within a tradition may have variations. There may be different chants, different meditations that are incorporated into the ritual, but the ritual for the particular occasion largely is structured the same, and this is transmitted to practitioners, individuals in groups across the generations, across time and space. So we have what I call the established rituals. Another form of ritual is what I call the created ritual. Some practitioners will create a new ritual for each occasion. There may be inspiration from the past, but essentially rituals come into being by the individual or individuals working together in a group, a coven, a community, to suit the full moon, to suit the Sabbath, to suit the life passage, right, or what the other focus of ritual might be. So these are created anew, each of the cycles of the moon each of the Sabbaths in the wheel of the year, each of the life passages, depending on the individuals involved. The third type of ritual I call spontaneous. These rituals take form in response to a particular need, and they are done extemporaneously. Certainly, the practitioner will have better success if they've had deep experience with a variety of different ritual forms, both within the path that they're practicing as well as experience with people doing Wicca rituals in other traditions and in the larger realm of paganism, such as taking part in rituals at pagan festivals, conferences, pagan pride days, and other events. So the spontaneous rituals can really be enriched and work well by someone who has already had some experience with Wicca ritual, either creating them or having established rituals that have been passed down. In addition to these three types of Wicca rituals, there are some other dimensions in exploring rituals that can impact what forms they take. One has to do with the ritual participants. There are solitary practice rituals. These are typically done by one human Um, on their own, 
connecting with sacred forces according to the path that they practice. Many people who are Wicca practitioners do solitary ceremonies because they are not in a place where it is easy to convene with other people on an ongoing basis or even on an ad hoc basis. In addition to the solitary practitioner rituals, they're what I call household rituals. These rituals are done by the people who live together that share Wicca as a spiritual path. And sometimes there may be people in the household who may not have Wicca as their spiritual practice, but that are Wicca friendly and that are very open to being part of a household ritual. An example would be a home blessing ritual. Um, The Wicca practitioner would create it and invite input from the other household members if they aren't involved in Wicca spirituality, and everyone will have a chance to do a blessing of their shared space, their home space, um, together. Sometimes, with home blessings, there may be an additional person as part of the mix. For example, one of the things that I do as part of my services is to facilitate home blessing ceremonies for households and individuals that really would like that assistance. And in this case, I meet with one or more members of the household in advance, work on custom creating a ceremony, and then when the time comes to do the ceremony, gather together with everyone taking part, giving a short orientation of what we'll be doing to make sure that questions can get um, answered before we actually go and do the work and then go and do the ceremony and then at the end um, do some kind of a um, culmination, a closure, which often will um, be a celebration, a feast, or some kind of reception. In addition to household rituals, Another very well-known type of Wicca ritual is that with groups of people who work together on an ongoing basis. In many traditions, that spiritual group is called a coven. In some paths, the coven may be limited to 12 or 13 people. My experience, though, has been There have been covens that have ranged in size from just a few people to hundreds. Um, I prefer to use the term community for larger groups of people that come together on an ongoing basis. It's been my experience that Wicca ritual done in a small group setting, a dozen to two dozen people, um, have a very different dynamic because people develop a kind of family sense and that they get to know each other very well over time. Some covens are open covens, 
um, or open circles. Others are closed. Some require one to go through a series of training before one enters the coven. Some Wicca traditions are initiatory, and there may be something known as an outer court that does some ritual together, but it's preparation work to go into the inner court or the actual core coven. In some traditions, there's actually a variety of different covens or groups that form. And from time to time, those, all those covens may get together for a grand gathering and do rituals together. In some cases, the covens may take turns, for example, with the Wheel of the Year. Um, during the course of a year, the eight Sabbaths, each coven um, will take turns in facilitating it for the large group if they do a grand gathering in that way. So we have the solitary practitioner ceremony and ritual work. We have the household. We have the coven. And now, as I talk about community, I'd like to expand a bit about that. Community Wicca rituals often have a more universalist underpinning and may bring together people from a variety of Wicca and other pagan traditions. Communities can be larger groups of people that come together to celebrate the moons and the Sabbaths and for other occasions. It also can take the form of a community that forms once a year in connection with a particular kind of pagan conference or festival. Here we're talking dozens and in some case hundreds of people and even larger that might take part in a community Wicca ceremony. When you have larger group ceremonies, the types of things that work well for a small group ceremony have to be adapted. And factors such as the amount of space to do ritual in needs to be expanded, and depending on whether it's indoors or outdoors and what the acoustics are and the visibility um, happen to be, what time of day, what time of year there is, there may be a need for amplification, um, for elevation, to have people guiding the larger group ceremony, to actually stand up on a platform so they're more visible. They may have a, a microphone in order to project voice. So the larger face-to-face -face community Wicca rituals have some additional dynamics that need to be woven into the performing of those rituals. Another type of ritual participants dimension is that of cyberspace. Yes, there are rituals that happen online. In fact, in this um, podcast series, Nature Folk, that I've been doing for a number of years, as well as 
and other circle podcasts, we, from time to time, will do a audio ritual and invite people to take part by listening live and going through the ritual that way. And one of the wonderful things about cyberspace and podcasting in particular is people also will have a chance to join in the ritual across time. So podcast rituals can happen over a period of days. And when they're archived, such as our podcast are, can be worked with at totally different times after the initial broadcast. Cyberspace may take the form of a podcast. It may take the form of some live streaming on social media. It may take the form of being audio only. It may be video with audio. And another way of doing ritual in cyberspace is to have a particular ritual created and circulated through social media, through websites, and to do a synchronized working where all the practitioners would be doing the same ritual at the same time on the same day. With time zone changes, that at times can be challenging, um, especially if there's going to be a very long ritual which goes over a period of time and and you have to sort out weekdays and weekends and how people can come and be available. What's more common when there is some type of global Wicca ritual working is that it may be set for what's known as local time. It will start in one time zone and then the correlate to that time would be um, happening so an hour in each time zone change so that you basically have what some people call a rolling um, ceremony that it's time release. So in, in America, we'd if it started out with someone with the Eastern time zone, then at 7 p.m., then the Central time zone would do it at 7 p.m., and by that time, it's 8 p.m. on the Eastern time zone. And then as it makes its way to Mountain time and Pacific time, there is one-hour increments, and then it can continue around the world. In addition to these forms of ritual participation, there is another one that actually um, does not require the use of the Internet, though that certainly can be a means for communicating about the ceremony and this is what some people would call an astral link-up. There would be a particular sacred area that people would go to using keywords and imagery and join that in an astral convergence that might happen simultaneously. It might happen 
over time. So as we look at ritual participation, one of the great things about being a Wicca practitioner in the 21st century is that there's a lot of possibilities to be able to do practice and to connect with others doing ritual. There are components to Wicca ritual that are important across different traditions. And I'd like to share some of these components. Traditions vary according to what they call the components and how many aspects of the components are in play for a ritual. I'm going to give some um, dimensions that I've found important in the work that I do, not only as an individual doing personal practice and as someone in a household doing household practice, but one who has facilitated uh, small group and large group work. The very first component I call focus selection. What is the purpose of the ceremony and what is its focus? It could be a full moon celebration, in which case the focus would be attuning to the moon and there may be some aspect of that attunement that wants to be emphasized, such as healing, divination, centering, invocation, um, or linking in with others. So picking the focus is a good place to start as one prepares to do a ritual. The next component is preparations. Where will the ritual be held? Who will be invited and who will be taking part? When will the ritual be held? What things need to be gathered for the ritual? What type of preparation work needs to be done by individuals that are taking part or by the group as a whole. One important aspect of preparations is the centering, the cleansing, the personal preparation for ritual. In some Wicca traditions, there are particular ritual baths that one might take or one might use incense to purify oneself before one goes into a ritual space, some of these preparations might be incorporated into the ritual structure itself and actually done on site. Some may be done before one arrives at the ritual place. In addition to 
cleansing, centering, and other types of personal preparation, there is garbing. Some people practice with particular ceremonial garments. Some will wear some particular clothing to a site and then do what's known as sky-clad without garments. Some traditions, it's very much an individual choice. Some people may come in casual clothes, um, some in a more formal attire. So one important thing to find out, if you've been invited to be part of a Wicca ritual and you haven't practiced with those um, who will be doing it, is to be able to ask about um, garb and protocols. All of this is an important part of preparations. Once um, the ritual participants converge, it's common across most Wicca traditions to have some form of circle casting. This can vary quite a bit depending on the tradition. Some traditions will take each of the elements and go around clockwise around the circular space with those elements, doing a blessing of earth, such as by sprinkling salt around the space, air, smudging with incense, fire, taking a lit um, flame in a votive candle or a torch, water, Um, sprinkling water around, and those systems that work with five elements going around with a crystal or a wand to bless and to cast the circle. Some traditions combine earth and water, put salt within a chalice of water, and combine air and fire by having a lighted jaw stick Um, or a thurible with um, flames smudging and fuming the incense. So it depends on the particular tradition, how the circle is cast. Some traditions have it be with the casting using sound, with a ritual implement, with the joining of hands, for group ritual, with an envisioning. So there's different ways to cast a circle. In most traditions, casting the circle involves a clockwise motion and the uncasting of the circle, a counterclockwise motion. Though in my travels south of the equator, I've encountered it Um, in the opposite way. So here again, it depends on the particular tradition that the ritual is being um, done in and performing the framework. Most Wicca rituals, whether they're personal, household, coven, community, or those cyberspace and um, astral forms, will have a calling of at least the four sacred directions. 
earth, air, fire, and water are often linked with those directions. And in addition to calling the direction, an elemental force is invoked. Typically, it involves facing each direction. Some traditions start their calling of the quarters in the east. I'm from a tradition that starts in the north. I've been part of rituals that have started in the south and that have started in the west. Uh, So here again, there's variation according to the path. And invoking and calling to the direction, there may be a particular chant that everyone does together, or the invocation may be done by the person facilitating the ceremony, or different people in group rituals may um, be doing the calling of the quarters. Some people call this the setting up of the watchtowers, and one way of envisioning this is a column of light forming in each direction at the edge of the sacred circle, connecting earth to sky. In the circle craft tradition that I have been working with for many years and help birth, we start in the north and link that with earth, go to the east, air, fire, south, water, west. But we also work with the center direction, and we connect with the direction below, which is land and the planet, the direction above, which is sky and cosmos. We connect with the direction of total center, which is spirit. That connects the four compass points together as well as the axis of earth and sky, of planet and cosmos. In more recent years, in my own personal practice, in addition to calling spirit in the center, I also celebrate the spirit that is within as well as the spirit that is around. Different practitioners will work with quarter calling and sacred space construction in a variety of ways. It's been my experience for those who are starting out Wicca ritual practice is to find one method of preparation, creating the circle, calling the quarters, and doing ritual as well as the conclusion of the ritual, which involves a thanksgiving of the sacred forces and the uncasting of the circle, and to learn one system, to work with that system and really master that system. So that provides a basic framework. Once you have a basic framework that you've worked with, then it is easier to have effective rituals that you might be 
um, doing with other people because you have a basic understanding of Wicca ritual practice and can adapt to other systems because you've learned one system well to begin with. After the circle is cast, the quarters are invoked as well as other dimensions. So in addition to sacred circle casting, there might be a sacred sphere um, construction as well as I've described in the circle craft tradition. Typically there is deity invocations. The Wicca ritual practice of invoking deities will vary from path to path. Most Wicca traditions recognize that there is a oneness, a great unity, a great mystery, and that there is the great goddess and the great god. Goddesses and gods might have many aspects. Often it is the triple goddess, maiden, mother, and crone, and the dual god, the god of the waxing of the solar year and the waning of the solar year, and the goddess linked to the sacred moon, with maiden being waxing moon, mother as full moon, and crone as waning moon and dark moon when it's not visible in the sky at all. That's commonplace across many Wicca traditions, but it is not the only form of deity configuration for ritual. Over the years, in my own personal practice, in addition to calling on goddess and god and the mystery of their unity, I find it helpful to also honor the divine in multifaceted forms, especially in large group ritual, in which the oneness of divine is also acknowledged as multiplicity to allow all of those who take part in a ceremony to bring their sacred experience of connecting with the divine as each knows her, him, it, them um, to the experience. So that is woven in as well as any particular deity invocations. In some traditions, there is a goddess name and a god name, and it may be a secret form of the name that only those in that particular tradition or group will use. Uh, my own practice has been more open and have used more universalist terms for large group rituals in particular. But there are some rituals that I do that are really focused on work with a particular form of divinity that might take the form of a goddess such as Bridget, the Celtic goddess of healing and smithcraft and inspiration of the oak, of the sun. 
it may take the form of Dionysus, the god of um, joy and healing and mystery. It might take the form of great spirit who um, goes beyond gender that is all that is. It might take the form of invoking the fae, the fae folk, the, the fairy folk, or the spirit of place or land. And so within the circle craft tradition, there is um, more variety in terms of how deity is conceptualized as well as invoked and worked with. After doing deity invocations, then is the component of Wicca ritual that I call the work. This is the heart of the ritual. Is it a celebration of the full moon? Then there is a working that's full moon related. Some people find it really powerful to do divination at the full moon. Some traditions, especially those that are known as British traditional Wicca, will have the priestess of the group go into a trance state, have the goddess of the moon drawn down into her, and she will then serve as an oracle and will share messages for the group as a whole for individuals. So there may be oracular work in that form. When we do our full moon circles at Circle Sanctuary, the approach that I've used and developed over the years is to have the oracular part be something that's done within the group, but each person through our particular method of moon resonance and drawing down, each person makes that connection with the sacred light of the moon, the power of the moon, and has guidance come to them as part of the experience. So you'll see that there's quite a bit of variation with that. One of the things that we do at Circle Sanctuary for our full moon circles is to do healing work, do some wellness enhancing and healing for ourselves that are taking part in the experience of the ritual face-to-face, healing for people at a distance and situations, as well as healing for the planet as a whole. Our full moon ceremonies vary from month to month, and their theme is in part chosen according to some traditions at the time of year that the moon happens, and part of it has to do with the particular focus that our open circle um, chooses to be part of. This month we have a fire magic full moon circle, and it's happening in connection uh, right before our Green Spirit Festival, our Lunasa gathering. So part of the theme for this will be doing work outdoors around a sacred fire. 
in addition to these kinds of variations for full moon work, there's other kinds of work that might be done. There may be a real need to help break through some kind of barrier for someone taking part in the group or if it's a personal ritual. If one's a writer and has been experiencing writer block, there may be a ceremony, whether it's full moon or at some other time, that will specifically address that, will help um, remove obstacles, that will help um, stimulate creativity. Some other uh, possible focus for a ceremony that is part of the work could be a centering. Yes, we center prior to the start of the ritual, but to go deep. One really powerful way that we have worked with centering as a Wicca ritual is to do some centering at the beginning and then walk our sacred labyrinth. And as everyone comes to the center, that we deepen our centering experience through work that we do around a central altar or a fire that's kindled in a fire cauldron, or it might be scrying within a cauldron with water, or it may be a drawing down of the moon into each of us if it takes place in connection with the full moon. Work can be multifaceted, Some rituals may have several pieces of work, and in group ceremonies, there may be several people each having a particular thing that is a request. Uh, One may need help in a job hunt, another in uh, making some changes to one's personal lifestyle, breaking an addiction, starting up a new pattern of behavior. Someone may seek to become pregnant. Someone else might need healing. Um, And after the loss of a loved one, a beloved creature, a beloved human, there's many different facets of the work. Following the work, There is a period of grounding and centering. With some Wicca groups, this is the sharing of some beverage and some food, sometimes known as cakes and wine or cakes and ale. And uh, sometimes this is done um, right in the heart of the ritual, and sometimes it is delayed till the end of the ceremony. Here again, it depends on the particular tradition and how the ritual is being facilitated. After the work has been done and there's some grounding centering, then there's the time of thanksgiving. It's very important as a component in Wicca ritual to, if you're invoking sacred forces, that you go full circle 
and you give thanks to those sacred forces. One way of doing this is to reverse the order in which the sacred forces were called. So if one were to call the four directions and then goddess in God and spirit, then at the end, one would thank spirit, God, and goddess, and the four directions in reverse order. Some, though, will, as part of their ritual structure, do the thanksgiving in the same order as the invocations in the first part of the ceremony. In still other cases, the thanksgiving may be done in a different way in which the names are spoken and all are giving thanks after each of the sacred names is called with a simple chant, we give thanks, we give thanks, we give thanks. It is traditional and many Wicca paths that after Thanksgiving has happened, some type of opening of the circle and casting of the circle happens. It might be through a chant. It may be um, walking counterclockwise around and uncasting it that way. It may be through a visualization. And then... The final component of a Wicca ritual is what I call integration and assimilation. That one has the opportunity to process the experience of the ritual and to let it go deeper into oneself. There are several ways of doing this. Some groups will actually have a social after the ceremony and talk about the ritual that has just happened, what one has experienced, and there's a sharing that way. Some groups will have, as an alternative to this, some discussion at a different time or in a different way, through group email or some live chat um, or another meeting for ritual critique. One thing that I like to do with our full moon circles is as we are concluding our ceremony, we have each person um, go around in turn and to say a word or a phrase, something that they are taking from the ceremony, some quality, some experience, some memory, into their personal life. That's another approach of taking the power of ritual and then integrating it into personal life's path and daily life. Another possibility and a practice that many people do is to 
write about the ritual in a spiritual journal, a grimoire, a book of shadows, a magical diary. This gives one a chance to not only make a note of what the ritual was, what one experienced, but to set down some understandings and insights that one has experienced as a result of the ceremony. And for practitioners that are seeing that Wicca ritual work is something that will be part of life over years, this can be a really powerful way of being able to do review over one's Wicca ritual experiences over time. For those who facilitate Wicca rituals for others, it can be very useful to make notes about what worked and what didn't work, especially if you're working with a spontaneous ritual or one that's been created for the occasion or in the case of an established ritual that has some variations in. Uh, did the chants that were selected work? Were people able to sing them easily? Were they able to raise energy with them? If there were particular ways of raising the code of power as part of the work um, that were very effective, to make a note of that. For myself, in doing personal spiritual practice, at times I will do spontaneous ritual, and a chant may rise up as part of that spontaneous experience. When that happens, shortly after the ritual, I make a point of setting that chant down in some way. Some of my um, most popular chants that I've shared with others have actually come to me as part of spontaneous nature ritual that I have done. And a way that I set them down is typically through some kind of audio recording app. And then once I've set the audio and the words down, I also make a note of the words when I created it, when it came to me, um, what it was for. I do think a very important part of Wicca ritual is record-keeping and to have a way that you can be aware of what you've taken part in and as you go through life to be able to draw on your past experience as you move into experiences for the future. So I'd like to conclude by talking about categories of Wicca rituals. I've uh, made reference to them um, throughout this podcast so far. Healing rituals, rituals to cleanse away disease, to enhance wellness, and to repattern um, life, healing for self, healing for others, healing for the planet. Sabbath rituals, celebrating the seasons, the beginnings and midpoints of each of the seasons. 
What mythic cycle do you work with? Do you have a multicultural approach to Sabbath celebration? Or do you have a drawing from a particular culture such as Welsh or Baltic paganism and the cycle of the year attuning to that particular culture? Moon rituals, in addition to full moon rituals, which I've spoken about quite a bit, some will celebrate the new moon. Some use new moon, dark moon as synonymous. Some save the new moon term for when you actually see the first little bit of crescent in the sky, when it's actually started waxing. Some people do a moon ritual every week, starting with the dark moon, new moon, then the, um, what some people call the half moon, the um, moon that is waxing, the full moon, the waning moon, and back to um, the beginning of the lunar cycle, the dark and new moon. In addition to these kinds of moon rituals, they're eclipse rituals. And one of the things I like about eclipse rituals, whether you can physically view the eclipse in your location of the world or not, through the wonders of cyberspace, you can actually watch eclipse happenings through um, various um, space channels, which um, astronomy channels on the Internet. With a total lunar eclipse, you are able to go through the entire cycle of the moon within one eclipse period. I mean, if it's a full moon, you start out with it being bright and full, then you move into waning, you go into totally dark, obscured, to waxing again, to full. In like fashion, there are sun rituals that... Many people practicing Wicca do, in addition to the Sabbaths, which are linked in with the beginnings and midpoints of each of the seasons, and that would include solstices and equinoxes, with the longest days, the shortest um, days for the solstices, and days of equal light and dark for the equinoxes. There's also greeting the sun as it rises, celebrating the sun at midday, celebrating the sun as it sets, and then the middle of the night where the sun is not visible at all. In like fashion, there can be solar eclipse um, celebrations. Doing daily rituals to greet the day, to attune to the divine. Doing divination rituals. Doing rituals to enhance creativity, doing rituals to connect you with one or more forms of the divine, doing rituals of gratitude, doing rituals for daily life, Um, saying blessings as one prepares to dine, Um, doing rituals as one gardens, and of course the life passage rituals of pregnancy, of birth, of youth, 
coming of age into adulthood, of marriage, of moving into old age, and then life's end. So in conclusion, I'm hoping that this overview of Wicca rituals, some of its types and components, dimensions of ritual participants, different kinds of rituals will aid you in your own personal practice. Many blessings. Blessed be. And now, as we conclude this part of our Circle Radio evening, I invite David and Jeanette or Jeanette Ewing to come on and tell us what's happening on Circle Talk and what music will take us in a transition as we go into our second part of our Circle Radio evening. Good evening. Good evening. Oh. So, David here. David is your next. Yeah, we have a special um, show tonight as Lunasa is coming up. We do. So tonight we're going to be uh, talking with uh, Nancy Vetter Schultz as we're going to be discussing like what workshops she'll be leading at um, Green Spirit. She's the feature presenter at Green Spirit this year. And we will talk about the oracle work she does and her book and her music and, and, uh, and a lot of the women's spirituality stuff that work that she's been working on. Um, been quite busy and, and influential in that realm. Uh, so we're going to talk to her tonight on Circle Talk. Yeah, so stay tuned, and we'll start out the next hour. You'll get to hear from Messina, who's one of the coordinators of Green Spirit, and I'll say a few words. And and so stay tuned. And what kind of music do we have taking us into the top of the hour? Well, it's uh, it's a fun one that we that was, was one of our favorites. It's by Arthur Hines. It's called "Do the Round Thing." Well, I'm a working still nine to five, cubicle, cold and tired. We use a secret code. I sit in my cube, dial one up and hear the telephone ring. I hear voices say tonight, tonight, come on. Let's do the round thing. And we'll go round and around and around and around. Calling on a lady's name. Invoking the God with the chanting sound. Baby, leap on the sacred flame. We'll power up. Raise a call to the spirits, join and sing. Come on, let's do the round thing. Come on, let's do the round thing. 
a couple of big things coming up. One of them is this full moon coming up that's going to be a a blood moon, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, lunar eclipse. Uh-huh. And the other thing is Lunasa. Or Lunasak. Or, or Lamas. Yep. And for many people who celebrate this particular harvest festival, this is the first of the three harvest festivals in the wheel of the year that many people who follow earth-based traditions celebrate. Yeah. And that leads us to Green Spirit. And let's go ahead and bring our guests on and talk about why Lunasa is called Green Spirit at Circle Sanctuary. Yeah, so we got Green Spirit Festival coming up this weekend, and we happened to have, uh, we uh, we anchored Selena down so she couldn't uh, go away at the end of her show so she could join us tonight and uh, and talk to us about Green Spirit. And we have Messina, who has been coordinating this year's Green Spirit Festival, both on the line. Good evening, Selena and Messina. Oh, good evening. <laughs> good evening. Well, Circle Sanctuary has been celebrating this season since its earliest days back in 1974. And in the early days, our Lamas Festival was called Lamas. And Lunasa, Lunasa has been part of the mix. But in some of our early days, we shifted from Lamas to the Herb Magic Festival. Because we weren't growing wheat, we harvested herbs, we had the time to celebrate nature's bounty by going and doing an herb harvest. And we've been doing herb harvests of various types over the years ever since. Well, as Circle grew and developed, the name Green Spirit came to us, and the festival took on that name. And part of that is due to the fact that Um, We do celebrate the beautiful greenery that's all over Circle Sanctuary land at this time of year. And part of it really is steeped in the ancient pagan traditions of really going into the green in the height of summer. And yes, starting to harvest some of that. One of our traditions of the Green Spirit Festival has been to really focus on not only creating community and bringing community together, keeping some old traditions alive in some new ways, but to emphasize learning as well as music and celebration. So every year and more recent years, we've had different people coordinate our Green Spirit Festival and incorporate their own unique take on this celebration. And I'm really glad that this year Messina and Raven are our coordinators, and I look forward to Green Spirit this year. Thanks, Selena. 
Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, um, first of all, the theme for this year's Green Spirit. Raven and I worked really hard on developing the theme for this year's Green Spirit, and the theme this year is Reaping the Bounty. And how we came about that theme was through a brainstorming session, um, we started talking about this time of the year and how we're harvesting our successes. So whether it's emotional, physical, or spiritual, we really are harvesting um, and coming to, we're seeing a lot of our work come to fruition now. And, um, but one of the other things that we wanted to highlight this year at this, at this year's Green Spirit was, but it's also a transition. It's not just a celebration and a whoop-dee-doo party, but it's also a transition from the bright days of summer to the darker days um, as the days become shorter and as we move into fall and the dark times of the year. So that's sort of how we came about our theme for Reaping the Bounty. And then we're really excited about the festival this year. Um, Raven and I have come up with a pretty good schedule. We think it's chock full of all sorts of different things, but we try to incorporate a lot of music, um, a lot of knowledge and learning, and a lot of time out on the land. And so some of the things that we're highlighting this weekend are we're having games on the green. Um, we're bringing back our and having again this year Tavern on the Green, which is our Friday night um, party, and an included um, Tavern on the Green this year is a lip sync concert and um, karaoke, as well as music. Um, also on the green this year, we have um, vendors that are coming to share with us their witchy wares. And we also were highlighting um, bringing the community together and getting people to know each other. And we have a um, a small thing, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Saturday night uh, called Late Night Chats. And it's just a opportunity for people to come together in a more intimate setting to try to get to know each other. Um, and, of course, we can't not talk about the amazing workshops that both Nancy and Selena will be presenting. And we're so, so happy to have Nancy and grateful to have Nancy as our presenter at this year's Green Spirit. And it's wonderful. We have an author and a bard all rolled into one. And I want to give thanks to Nancy for um, partnering with Circle Sanctuary over the years. Uh, she's um, come out and been part of Earth Day and has been part of our uh, winter solstice celebrations for decades that we hold in the Madison area. So it is really fabulous, and we're really glad that Nancy is on our show tonight to be able to talk about Give us a preview of some of the things she'll be sharing. I guess that's my cue. Hi, everyone. I'm Nancy Vetterschultz, and I'm so happy to be with you tonight. Good to hear your voice and and uh, be able to connect and and I will sign off so I can tune in and um, have others be in dialogue with you. Well, I look forward to seeing you on Friday, Selena. It'll be a wonderful green spirit. Well, green blessings.
to you as well. Okay, and I guess that's our cue um, for, uh, for for us to continue on with our circle talk. So, welcome, Nancy, and, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm looking forward to talking to you, David. And uh, Jeanette's here too. And we've been uh, so we've been checking out your website and uh, what you've been what you've done. Um, you know, poking around and get an idea. Um, and we're looking forward to. It's been a couple of years. We were saying earlier, it's been a couple of years since we've been to Circle, and we're actually going to make it. That we're gonna, coming out this year to Green Spirit, so we actually get to meet somebody that we're talking to. We, we're in Virginia, so it's not uh-huh. like down the road. Um, like <laughs> we used to, when we uh, we used to live in Illinois, northern Illinois, for a couple of years, so it was a little easier to get to. Um, and now it's more of a try to do a yearly. Sometimes we wind up missing a year. Um, to get out there, so it's a little less often. So, which is fun because I don't think we've met Tina, um, and there are a number of other ministers in training that are going to be there that I don't think we've met because we don't get to make it to PSG either. So, um, this is usually our connection with Circle and and uh, through Selena and, and this. Um, so, we're looking forward to being there and looking forward to your workshops. You got some uh, very interesting sounding workshops coming up. Yes, I think I'm doing three workshops. Yeah. One is one is a sort of an introduction overview of my new book, The World is Your Oracle, Divinatory Practices for Tapping Your Inner Wisdom and Getting the Answers You Need. And that will be, um, I don't remember when they are, but there's three of them. And that's a really good introduction to the auditory, visual, and kinesthetic divination techniques that make up the core of my book. And then there'll be a workshop on specifically animal oracles, which I think is a really good time to do it when you get to get out and look at the animals and listen to them and get your answers from them. And then the third workshop is going to be a chanting workshop, which takes me back to my earlier days before I was a writer, I was a singer and a composer. I created Chants for the Queen of Heaven, which is a CD of goddess chants from all over the world. And it's actually my claim to fame because in 2013, Sage Woman magazine listed me, named me as a wisdom keeper of the goddess spirituality movement, which I thought was very lovely. So we'll be doing a lot of chants as well. And that's been fun for me because I'm, I created a new chant for the um, in-gathering ritual, and I'll be leading a chant at the end as well. So there's going to be some music that I'll be performing as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, and the chanting workshop will be on Saturday, on Friday evening at 7, right before the Tavern on the Green. So that'll be a, that'll be a good time for that. Um, okay. The evening, when most most people are there, and and it'll be in the temple room, and then imagine the transition of energy from the temple room down to the tavern on the green with everything that's going to be happening down there, with the karaoke and barding and, and storytelling and lip syncing and yeah, so maybe that will embolden some people to uh, <laughs> um, get involved with some of the activities, the karaoke and. 
probably maybe with the speaking talents, maybe some storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Lip syncing, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Right. And the it sounds animals. like I should. It sounds like we sh- I should lead a, a procession from the chanting workshop to the tavern on the green, so everybody's ready to sing. Hey, that, would, that sounds like a plan. I think that'll work. <laughs> yeah, the workshop's at 7, and the Tavern on the Green's at 8.30, so I think that would be a great transition from one to the other uh, to okay. bring it down. That'd be that'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it might even, uh, might even give Messina and others a heads up that it's going to happen or just surprise them and, like, we're going to do this now. Um, <laughs> no, I'll give Messina a heads up. <laughs> oh, okay, well, you know, plenty of... You know, coordinating things to deal with you know something that's unexpected, and that's a pretty pretty easy thing to deal with that's unexpected. But you know that that you know that that process of uh, of planning um, that could be fun. Um, yeah, and the animal workshop, animal oracles workshop, will be on Friday afternoon at two thirty, which would be a um, that sounds interesting. It's always um, interesting to get other views, I guess, on. Um, on how to interact and how to receive wisdom from the, our animal um, neighbors on, the, on planet Earth, you know. Right. Well, that's uh, – hi, Jeanette. Yeah. Hi there. So I'm looking at some of the work that you've done, and so you have a Ph.D. in women's studies? Is that right? Actually, actually, there was no Ph.D. in women's studies when I got my Ph.D. So I have a Ph.D. in German literature, but what happened as soon as I finished my Ph.D. is that I started teaching women's studies at the UW in Madison because that okay, really was... Okay, okay. That, that, I'm not surprised by that because, <laughs> um, interestingly, here's how things connect with other things. Um, my younger sister decided to go back to college this this year, this spring, and she took a woman's studies class. And she decided that she was going to do an honors project on the intersection or the influence of goddess spirituality with the women's spirituality movement. And... We had a, a number of discussions on that and how initially in, you know, the, the first wave and the second wave of the women's spirituality movement and, you know, who were big voices in that. And so, yeah, if you're telling me that, you know, you didn't actually, you weren't able to get a degree in that. It makes total sense because of where the movement and how the movement was evolving during that time. I would love to see what your sister came up with because my experience was um, I was introduced to the goddess at the National Women's Music Festival. There were all that in 1976. I had, I think before that, done a tarot workshop with Selena in 75 or something. And so I was doing tarot for myself, but I had not yet met the goddess. And I met these wonderful goddess women who were doing chanting on the green in um, 
Champaign-Urbana, where the National Women's Music Festival was happening, and I was instantly taken. It was clear that this was my path. And so I became a goddess woman, and I started going to goddess spirituality conferences. And what was surprising to me was I, very shortly thereafter, I was introduced to Starhawk and became a witch because that was like, well, of course, practicing Wicca is exactly the the place that I needed to be. But I started going to like the Mankato Women in Spirituality Conference and noticed that there were all these women doing what looked like Wiccan ritual, pagan ritual, invoking earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. And, and But they weren't talking about being pagans. They were some just women's spirituality in some sort of general sense. So I recently read some articles that said that the actual, the reason for this is because women's spirituality was very influenced by paganism. So I was not surprised because it looked like paganism to me. Interesting. Yeah. And um, how old was I in 19... I was I was in grade school. Um, so <laughs> Yes, I'm a little bit older than you are. <laughs> the, picture is, the picture on your website is very misleading. And... <laughs> I mean, uh, unless it's pretty recent, unless, yeah. unless you're, yeah, because what I mean by that is you look young. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I, like, wait a minute, you were already 20 blah blah something years old by that time. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Um, yeah. Yes, I, I, so, I think I'm a young spirit, but I'm, I'm getting older. <laughs> so. You're not the first person that I've spoken to or read about that came to goddess spirituality through women's studies. Right. And it was definitely an outgrowth of my feminism. I had left the patriarchal Christian church that I grew up in because it did not speak to me at all anymore. And then when I found the goddess, I always felt there was still sort of a spiritual hole in the middle of my heart. And when I met the goddess, I went, oh, well, I guess I can deal with this. <laughs> I guess this is my path, yes. Yeah. Right, and there's all those other elements that get tied into it, like the connection to nature and other elemental forces, and then some of the other work that you started getting into, which is what your book is about, The World is Your Oracle. And, yeah. So, So, So for me it was first the goddess and then the realization that the goddess was the earth, the universe everything that w- that was the direction that my um introduction to the goddess went um in fact it was a very music played a very important part in this um movement of mine from ex-christian to goddess woman who thought 
I, I, in the beginning, I just thought, well, it's everything. The goddess is everything, and we're all part of her, which I still believe. But I thought I was monotheistic because that's what the tradition was that I came out of. But I used to lead a full moon circle for, I think, 14 to 18 years at First Unitarian Society, and we always used music. And I can remember the first time when I had the experience of four different goddess energies flowing through me into the music, and I had to acknowledge that I was a polytheist. And, of course, those two things came together years later when I started to realize that I was a polytheist who believed that all those different aspects of the goddess and the gods were one in this everythingness, which I call the goddess. So that was understanding that I was a panentheist, which that word came many years later, but um, I think it's a useful one to understand that both of those things are true, both that there are various facets of the gods and the goddesses that we experience um, one by one or multiply, but that all of those aspects, plus us, plus the earth, plus the animals, plus the birds, plus the water, the waters are all part of one interconnected web of existence. Right. And... It's funny you should mention that because that is, and that's an interesting segue to the stuff that Selena's been talking about because that is, it happens to be one of the core principles of the circle craft tradition and I think other Wiccan traditions as well. And even people who would not necessarily use the label Wiccan have those leanings as well in terms of those types of belief systems. And I actually wrote an article that was published by Karen Tate in Goddess 2.0, which was called Goddess in the Center, Goddess Everywhere, which was about how essentially we each are little jewels in the best metaphor that I have for um, the everythingness, which is the goddess, is Indra's net from the Hindu tradition. Indra's net is infinite, and at each of its connections, there's a jewel. And if one of those jewels gets um, moved or blown by the wind, it ripples out through the entire web. And that's exactly how I see the interconnected web of all existence, where each these little jewels but we're all connected through this web that connects everything together. And I talked about in this how it was a funny experience because I knew I was going to be writing about divination, and I hadn't yet figured out exactly what I wanted to say. And on just as I was getting into the car to drive back from up north when, where we were on vacation back to Madison, I looked up in the sky and I said, someone's been writing in the sky again because the clouds looked like they were words. And I heard myself, and I realized that that's how I was going to think about 
this article. So on the way back, I just looked at each of the signs as we went by, and I noted, oh, yeah, I've got to talk about that in the article. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll put that in the article. So by the time I got back to Madison, reading the road signs along the drive, I had an outline and actually a couple of paragraphs for this article. Wow. That was fun. <laughs> and that's one of the, actually, that was one of the techniques that my editor deleted from the book, road signs and license plates. I love license plate divinations because, how, you know, you're always in the car several times a week, and you notice these things on, on license plates. The first time this happened to me was it was a synchronicity. I was on my way to talk about ecofeminism at WISCON, the feminist science fiction convention in Madison that happens yearly, and I hadn't figured out exactly what I wanted to say. So as I was driving there, I saw three license plates. They were all vanity plates, and one said, um, I love Rev, and I thought, oh, yes, the reverence for the interdependent web of all existence. We'll talk about that. Then another one said seals, and I thought, seals? What does that mean? And the third one I understood as well. But when I got to the, um, the discussion, the panel discussion, the other woman on the panel talked at one point about her experience of swimming with seals. And I went, okay, that's what that license plate divination meant. <laughs> Wow, that's really, I mean, the interconnected, again, the interconnectedness of all things. Yes. And how exactly. it's all, all, it all connects. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what my book is about, actually. It's sort of a primer to pay more attention to what's happening in your life, whether it's a visual. For some people, it's visual. For some people, it's auditory. For some people, it's kinesthetic. They feel it in their bodies. But to just pay more attention because we are suffused with the energy of the goddess in our lives. And if we just pay attention, we, it's, it, it's as if the, that energy is the, wing, the wind beneath our wings, as it says in uh, a song that I enjoy. And it makes our lives less effortful as long as we realize the extent to which the goddess is really infusing our lives with her energy. And you've already kind of segued into the book a little bit, but let's go ahead and talk about the book. What was your motivation for writing this because okay. this is going to this is going to be a little bit different for some people because most of us are taught or we learn on our own the systems of divination separately. Right. Well, what happened was I had this idea a long time ago. I just realized that most divination was done through systems, whether it's a tarot system or the rune system, or the I Ching, but they were systems which had specific meanings attached to the, each tarot card 
or to each rune or to whatever throw of the yarrow sticks you've had for the I Ching. And that actually there are many other techniques that are not systematized. They're just uh, systems work because if you have a, a tarot card that has a picture or a meaning, that will trigger an insight in your mind. But the And there's some of those insight triggers um, in my book as well. But there also are techniques that tap directly into, into your inner wisdom using one of those three different senses, the visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. So you really can do a divination at the drop of a hat. You don't need a card or a tarot card or a rune or to throw the I Ching. You can do it just walking around in your neighborhood. So my idea was to bring together 52 of those kinds of techniques. And in the beginning, it wasn't, I hadn't gotten the idea that it would be auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. That came from my um, in-depth study of how the brain works using the various senses. And that's when I realized that I needed to organize the book according to senses. But my original idea was, let's just have a book and a deck. You pull one of the cards from the deck, and it tells you which technique to use to tap into your inner wisdom. And I went to my daughter, who was 17 at the time, and said, I want to do this, and I want you to paint the cards. And she looked at me and said, 52 of the same style, the same idea, <laughs> the same way of doing things. Uh, I, I don't want to do that. And I looked at her and went, oh, yeah, you're 17. You need to explore, don't you? But when she was in her mid-20s, she came back and said, you know that book, that idea you had? Let's do it. So we started to work on it. And that was actually probably a decade ago. It took a long time to get it together, but... Um, it was worth the time and effort, I think. And one of the reasons that I really felt a desire to do this was I started out um, in a dream group. That was my first introduction to um, divination techniques that were not uh, systematized like tarot. And I spent 12 and a half years in a dream group, so I knew the extent to which my dreams gave me great wisdom. So I incorporated that into the book. That's one of my techniques. And after doing that, I was in a wonderful coven where we did deep magic. And since there were seven of us, we decided we would divide up um, responsibility for the year and a day that we were together, the first year and a day into the seven chakras. So we put seven pieces of paper with the names of the colors of the chakras in a hat. And when I pulled out indigo, I must have blanched because the women I was in this coven with were incredibly psychic people. And I knew I was not anywhere near as psychic as they were. But what <laughs> I did was start me to look into ways to be, tap into my own inner wisdom, to become more psychic. And I think that's, this book is useful to people who aren't automatically psychic, but who can learn how to be more intuitive, learn how to 
be more aware of what they're experiencing in the world from an intuitive perspective. So it's sort of a, a primer of how to um, use your intuition more if you don't see yourself as very intuitive. And the one fun thing about this book is that um, I am also a Unitarian Universalist, not just a pagan, and I am surrounded by incredibly rationalistic, scientifically-based UUs, Unitarian Universalists, and I thought as I was writing this book, oh, well, I won't be able to share it with those friends, but no. My husband came to me and said, there's this book you have to read, and it's all about how aha moments happen in the brain. So I read this book and I realized that it described exactly what these divination techniques facilitate. They facilitate the kind of aha moment that comes when you have a particular state of mind. And the way it works is that the back of your brain is flooded with alpha waves and many of these techniques do that, ecstatic dancing, chanting, drumming, meditating, plus several others in the book. They flood the back of the brain with alpha waves, which shuts down the brain. It gives it a brain blink. That's what they call it. So that the brain, well, it's essentially like if I asked you a very difficult question, you might close your eyes or look away so that you wouldn't be distracted by what my face looked like. That's exactly what the brain does. As soon as it's the back of the brain has been flooded with alpha waves, it shuts down all distractions so that it's possible to have a new idea in the right above the right ear in the right parietal lobe. And so I realized reading this book that that's exactly what these techniques facilitate. So I added a chapter about the science of divination, and now I can share my book with Unitarian Universalists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really cool, and it's something that, um, oh, and I do have to ask, um, you are going to have copies available? Oh, yes. I, I okay. take them with me everywhere, <laughs> yes. That's good, um, because I am a pagan, but I'm also one of those people that you're talking about because I am also a scientist. I teach yes. at a local community college. I teach biology and environmental science, so... Great. I'm one of those people as well, and it is something that I have had to work on over the years because there's the rational mind, and then there's this other side that is the spiritual side. Yeah, and and actually, it's it's so funny that I'm right. I wrote this chapter on the science of divination because it's the chapter that. Um, essentially satisfies the rationality of scientific people to be interested in their intuitive um, brain as well. So I think it's I think it's I'm I love that I was able to add it at the last minute. I had finished the whole book, and when my husband, who is a scientist and one of those rational UUs, came to me with this book, I said, "I'm not writing another sentence. I've finished this." But he said, no, you've got to look at this, and I'm glad I did. Because it's one of the major ways that the book is different. The use of senses as your direct tapping into your inner wisdom and then 
the science of divination are two main things, but the other things that are different from other divination books are I spend quite a bit of time describing the kinds of rituals and the kinds of meditations that help tap you into that um, state of mind that allows you to be intuitive. And uh, I didn't find that in many books. And then I also describe how to honor your inner wisdom because the more you honor your inner wisdom, the more it will honor you with wisdom. It's a wonderful mutual. We belong to a mutual admiration society, my inner wisdom and me. Yes. <laughs> and the, the more you do that, the more it will give you really good information. And then finally, because this is not a system, so there's not a one-to-one correspondence between you know, this card and what it means. Instead, you come up with all sorts of different oracular outcomes, like you hear a train whistle, or you see a robin, or you feel a particular um, feeling in your body. You have to have a way to figure out what those things mean. And so I added a whole section on using free association to interpret your oracular outcome. And it's a very straightforward technique that is um, fun to do. I actually suggest one of six questions. So for instance, what if it were a sound that was the answer to your oracle? Then you could ask, what associations do you have with that sound? And you could keep asking that over and over again until you come up with an answer. Or how does that sound relate to you? How does that sound relate to you? How does that sound relate to you? Until you have an answer. Or what is that sound trying to tell you? So that's also a difference between um, other divination books and the world is your oracle. It gives you an idea of how to interpret what you've come up with. And in my workshops, I try to touch on all of those different things. If I have, you know, four weeks, two hours each, we can do it in depth. If I have two hours, we do it a little bit less, more superficially. But everybody gets a a feeling for how they can use these techniques. Okay. Cool. Uh, Now, the other thing that you... We just touched on it very briefly, the the chanting. Um, Where is this again? Okay, so you recorded chants for the Queen of Heaven. When did you do that? A long time ago. That was in 1993. Okay. um, Since the... First, I don't know, five or ten years, I sold 4,000 copies of it, which my friends who are uh, in the music business said, 4,000, that's a lot. And I guess that must have affected quite a few people because, as I said at the beginning, I was named a wisdom keeper of the goddess spirituality movement because of that recording. And actually, I should tell the Circle audience especially 
that the name of the the, the recording is Chance for the Queen of Heaven dot 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 and if you look on the side it says and earth because this this recording was um in response to my first experience on a women and religion committee in the central midwest district of the unitarian universalist association i helped create the second conference that we put together and I sang a lot at the conference many of the chants that I had been collecting through um, being involved in the pagan movement and as soon as the conference was over women from all over the district started calling Nancy Nancy we're putting on a, a women's service do you have a song for us or Nancy Nancy we're we're doing a ritual do you have a chant for us and I realized after a bunch of these that I would be doing the Unitarian Universalist Women uh, service if I created a recording. And one of the the reason that it was named Chants for the Queen of Heaven is because there was a curriculum, which actually was a conduit from Unitarian Universalism into paganism for many years called Cakes for the Queen of Heaven. And it was... uh, a feminist spirituality 10-week class which introduced women indirectly to uh, women's spirituality and to paganism. And a lot of women became pagans as a result of that. So I named my recording Chants for the Queen of Heaven to go along with Cakes for the Queen of Heaven. But I wanted my pagan friends to know that it was an earth-based recording. So it was Chance for the Queen of Heaven, dot, 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 and Earth. Okay. Um, and it makes sense now that you say that because we've had some interaction with the UU churches in the greater D.C. metro area, and in fact, the one that we used to do things with, they had that workshop, the that the ten week course that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, the uh-huh. cakes for the. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. the UU Church in uh, Arlington. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yep. Okay. Okay. Now that. Oh, I... that Go ahead. Okay. It does. And and I did do a second recording in 98, but it was a live recording, and I was only one of four pagan musicians that recorded it. It was called Singing the Promise, and the other three people were Mary Gregolio, who's also a UU minister, Chriso, and, uh, oh yes, Carol Eagleheart was the fourth. And that was a fun little recording, too. But they... I thought that they were completely gone, but I just went to the Unitarian Universalist General Assembly and hung out with the people who are the organizers of CUPS, the Covenant of Unitarian Universalist Pagans, and they actually still had copies of it. So I was amazed. That's really cool, though. Um, I mean, it's nice to know that people can still find it. And my record, the Chance for the Queen of Heaven, I still have copies of those. I will be bringing them out to circle. Oh, good. As well. Okay. 
Yeah. Cool. And for those who are unable to attend Green Spirit, on your website, can you go ahead and say what the website is, David? Oh, yeah. It's mamasminstrel.net. No, it's not. Oh, it's no. Called, it's changed, and you should go oh. look at the new. I just relaunched my website. Uh, um, is it a week ago or two weeks oh. ago now? Two weeks ago today, and it's called www.worldyouroracle.com. And if you refresh your, um, if you empty ah. your caches and go back and look at it, it's really much more beautiful than my original work website because it's got all my daughter's art on it. Not oh. only that, but her partner, her um, fiancé, is a graphic artist, so he took some of her beautiful art and created banners at the top of some of the pages and sidebars on all of them, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. So, yeah, worldyouroracle.com. Please take a okay. look at it. So the other address I must have went, went to it because it has, like, this... this um sort of painting across the top with your name and guide to divination, and there's like somebody kneeling down with a finger to the earth, it looks like, or something. Oh, that's good. Oh, yes, that's, really? that's a really good, because that means that my old um, website URL takes you to the new website. That's great. Right, so the redirection's working. Yay. Okay, so yeah, this um, that's what we're looking at was, was oh. here. Yeah. Okay. Is, yeah. yeah. It, it's the same place. It's just, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Very good. good. You know. Okay. So the music, uh, we're, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, almost a panic. Um, <laughs> but there's really nice quotes and stuff all through your website, uh, various things and stuff. You know, and there's sayings and there's like review statements. Here's a here's a statement on your music page for Chance of the Queen of Heaven from Margot Adler. Yeah, you know, which I think that, that's, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Yep. Yes, um, I miss her. She's one of those wonderful UU pagans who's now gone. Yeah, yeah. That's still tough to deal with. Um, so this, at the bottom of the page it says, for order information, to order CDs, um, to contact you at your email at this email address that's listed here. Um, so they can contact you, I guess. Folks can contact you for information on how to obtain uh, CD. Yes, through my website you can order Chance for the Queen of Heaven, um, but the best way to buy my book is through Amazon or Barnes & Noble or in Indie Books or any of the other major um, outlets because they all have it. Cool. All righty. I'm going to update the... Um, so it's World... Your... Your Oracle. That's all one word. Right. Yes, World that's your the... Oracle.com. It has all the particular information about you and your workshops and uh, calendar, what you got going on and stuff. So uh, just to repeat for people, you will be at Circle Sanctuary's Green Spirit Festival, which is this weekend in Wisconsin, as Selena says, um, this <laughs> I know, yes, uh, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and okay. you'll be chanting, and you'll, you're going to be leading three workshops and on some very cool topics, and 
Oh, by the way, um, the weather is going to be great. Sounds awesome. <laughs> it is true. And Selena, either Selena or Messina said at the top of the hour that um, typically in August in Wisconsin, it is fairly toasty. I mean, it's at least in the mid to upper 80s a lot of yeah. times. And uh, we've got some unusual weather. They've got some unusual weather there and uh, where you guys are at. And so it's going to be in the 70s this coming weekend. About Which is wonderful. Least. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's more we like... Actually, we deserve it because we've had an incredibly hot or it's either been very, very hot or else it's been raining until just recently. And now this last few days, it's become really just what summer is supposed to be like. Low 80s, high 70s, beautiful sunny day. So, yes, come to Wisconsin. Come to Barneveld and enjoy green spirit. Cool. And we're going to come to dry out. It's We're in Virginia. It's been raining here the past couple of days. And we've got rain in the forecast up until Thursday. Um, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. So we're just we had a spell this spring where it was like a week of just rain. It seemed like. Yeah. Um, now we're getting a bunch again. So we're gonna come out to dry out. Um, <laughs> in the hills of uh, of Wisconsin, there just west of Madison. Right. <laughs> yeah. I. So the Animals Oracle uh, yeah. um, workshop that I'm going to be leading is going to be a combination. I've been trying to do this recently in two and uh, in three-hour increments, uh, putting together three different techniques for tapping into the wisdom of an animal guide. And I think this weekend it'll just be two because if there are more than a half a dozen people it it just takes too much time to pass out the pieces of paper. But what people will do is choose an animal guide and give them sort of a, if you're uh, familiar with tarot, it's sort of a significator for the question that you have, a way of looking through or framing your question. And then we will ground and center, and if it's a small group, we'll use a variety of animal mudras to do that because the Hindu tradition has mudras for a dozen, uh, two dozen different kinds of animals. So we will use those mudras to get into the frame of mind that you need to be in in order to um, tap your inner wisdom. And then we're going to do a journaling divination which is my adaptation of um, Morning Pages by um, Julia Cameron from The Artist's Way, her book, The Artist's Way. And I did this for years. I wrote the first two pages. And then after years of doing this, writing the three pages, eight and a half by 11 sheets, I started to use the third sheet as a divination. I just wrote and wrote and wrote the first two pages about whatever. And then on the top of the page, the third page, I would write, so goddess, what do I need to know about today? And then I would just have gotten myself into the flow from the first two pages, would just continue writing fast. And I was amazed when I went back and looked over those final sheets 
at what oh. wisdom they contained. So when I was writing the book, I knew I was going to in, include that in, as a technique in the book. But in the Animal Oracles workshop, what we will do is say, say for instance, I chose elephant. So elephant, what? how do you answer whatever my divination question is? And then let the elephant answer the question. So it it should be a fun time. Okay. Cool. Another another take on, on the animal oracle process. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. Because there's a lot of different schools of thought on that. Oh, yes, a lot. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that when I meet you out at Green Spirit. Right. Cool. And we're going to be camping out there, too, so we'll be there the entire weekend. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. Let's see. What else have we got going on? We're about on time. Yeah, we're we're basically at the end of our hour now, and... So after Green Spirit, uh, what are the things do you have on your calendar as far as things that you're going to be doing in the greater? Actually, actually I'm hoping to go out to um, the Woman Rising Conference in California in October, and I'm going to be leading a full weekend retreat in Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, for a group of Unitarian Universalist pagans, and that's going to be wonderful. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Linda Dobbins is organizing that for me. And then there's several other things that are sort of up in the air. What's been happening recently is that I've been relaunching my website and starting um, a blog site on the website. So there now are three blog posts there. I've been Hello. creating videos that go along with them. I've been tweeting every couple of days and putting pictures up of my daughter's beautiful um, art on an Instagram channel. So I've been very busy getting myself oriented with respect to social media because I'm old enough to be a digital immigrant. I came to this land of digitalness in my adult years, and it's still pretty foreign, so I'm learning a lot. But it's been very interesting to to take that on and uh, other views out that I want to talk about, especially in my blog posts. And I'm demonstrating divination techniques on my YouTube channel, which is called the world is your oracle, and um, I'm just the the videos are really fun. I've been the first one. I had to figure out how to dis, how to show a candlelight divination, which takes place in your bathtub, and I thought, well, I don't think I want to show myself completely naked on a video, but I have to show myself in the bathtub. So I had fun trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> it's been very creative. Okay. Yeah, and I see you have a link on your homepage uh, up at the top right there to your YouTube channel. Um, takes you straight there. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So that's... Jeanette? Instagram-y and Facebook-y and Twitter-y. And Tweety and, and, yeah. Yep. All 21st century and stuff. There you go. Look at you being all modern. 
I know, right? <laughs> yes. Well, and, and according to all the younger people that I teach, uh, Facebook is almost passe. Yeah. They don't Facebook anymore. They do other stuff. Okay. Yeah. Right. Actually, when I started doing this, I, I hired the kid across the street to help me because he knew better than I did, 17-year-old kid. So now, he, now he's gone. Yes, they have. Yeah, yeah. They've grown up with social media and smartphones and uh, laptops and iPads and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I look Ooh. forward to seeing you at Green Spirit. Next weekend. No, it's only a few days away. Just a few days. Yes, we're we're driving out on Thursday afternoon, so. You'll be there Friday afternoon. Yep, we'll see you Friday afternoon, and yep. be looking forward to. A wonderful weekend, really. Yeah, uh, great weekend. Yeah, reconnecting with the land, with the community, meeting some new people, and uh, and connecting with folks that we've talked to and haven't really met. Um, so really looking forward to this. Yeah, so. Uh, Oh, yeah, it'll be fun. Great. And take us out, Dave, with your usual sure. last blurbs that you always say. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, blurb. So we're, we want to thank uh, want to thank you, Nancy, for joining us tonight and having this, this great conversation with us about um, women's spirituality and the history of things and the oracle work that you do and, and these, these methods that are really kind of this is new ideas for some of us. I think we're really excited to, to learn more about these. Yeah, definitely. Um, so thank you for spending your time with us this evening. Thank you for inviting um, me. It was fun. And we want to thank Messina and Selena for joining us at the beginning of the show. We talked a bit about Green Spirit and why it's called Green Spirit. Um, so if anybody tuned in afterwards and is interested, download the podcast, and you can listen to it again. Um and uh, so we want to thank Selena and Messina for joining us. We want to say thank Circle Sanctuary for sponsoring us and, and working with us and being our – it's our church, um, uh, our our uh, spiritual family, and uh, keeping us going. We want to thank Pagan's Night Radio Network and the Witches School International who sponsors the Pagan's Night Radio Network and allows us this chance, us and so many others, this chance to connect with community. Um, I know Laura Gonzalez is a friend of ours in the Chicago area that does – um, a show on Mondays, and there's a variety of other things throughout the course of the week on here on Pagans Tonight. Um, so it's not just Circle. We just have Tuesdays. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so tune in here every night. There's always something going on. Um, and I want to thank everybody for listening, either live and, or those who listen later on uh, by downloading the program from, from the uh, Pagans Tonight site, uh, Blog Talk Radio slash uh, Witch School. Um, and uh, yeah, and anything else? What am I forgetting? Uh, I think that we are good. I think so. Okay. Yeah. So, what what song are you gonna take us out with, Dave? I think we'll close out with One Spirit again. Um, how about How about Wise in Her Ways by Spiral Rhythm? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think we'll close out with Spiral Rhythms. Wise in Her Ways. We usually close out with Spiral Rhythm, and I think this will be a good one tonight. So uh, we'll do that, and then okay. we'll uh, see everybody on the radio on the online next Tuesday. We don't see a Green Spirit this weekend. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good night.
Sing, my sister, sing. Sing out loud of all you bring. For what you sing is what you are. And you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. Dance, my sister's dance. Trance and prance and make romance. For how you dance is what you are. And you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. Speak, my sister, speak. Speak out loud and don't be meek. For how you speak is what you are. And you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. Dream, my sister's dream. Dream of all the love you'd see. For what you dream is what you are. And you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. Bleed, my sisters, bleed. Releasing all you do not need. For how you bleed is what you are. And you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. Cry, my sisters, cry. Shed your tears till they run dry. For how you cry is what you are. And you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. Birth, my sister's birth. Draw your strength up from the earth. For how you birth is what you are. And you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. Pray, my sisters, pray. Giving thanks for each new day. For how you pray is what you are. And you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. Smile, my sister, smile. Let your heart sing for a while. For how you smile is what you are. And you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. So love, my sisters, love. 
like the sun's own rays shine from above. For how you love is what you are, and you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways, that's what you are. Wise in the ways of the woman by far. You're wise in her ways. That's what you are. You're listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans Unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 